0: February 23, 2019, Nigeria had one of its most important elections ever. As tends to happen with events of this magnitude, there was mass misinformation that prevented people from knowing what the actual results were. One group, however, was a lighthouse of legitimacy in this sea of confusion, providing a means for Nigerians to follow the election they had just voted in. Today, we tell the story of the group of individuals who built a website that provided the actual results to millions. PodSave Africa is proud to present Stairs Nigeria. Listeners, welcome back to Pod Save Africa. It's your host Akendi Adeola, and I have the great pleasure of being here with Michael Famarotti. He is a partner at Stairs Nigeria, and uh, he's going to tell us all about what he's doing. Uh, Michael, do you want to just uh, give your give a, a brief inter- introduction of yourself?
1: Hi, Akendi. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. Um, so, yes, my name is Michael Famarotti. I am a Nigerian, and I'm also a partner at Stairs. So Steers is a media and data company based in Nigeria, and we're focused on promoting data-driven journalism and building Africa's data networks by helping with data collection and data analytics. Awesome, awesome, incredible. So
0: kind of getting right into it, the core of your mission seems to be around data specifically. Now. Um why I'd like to ask why that was a goal and how that came about. You know, what 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 was it look like? Did you just kind of walk around and say, hey, we need more data-driven journalism in, in Africa? or or were there things that led up to um, stairs being created?
1: Yeah, okay. So I'll sort of to answer that question, I'll take you back about five years. Um, okay. back when I was at the LSC. So um, I like to say that stairs was founded at the LSC because three of the founders, myself included, all went there. Um, the last graduated from the Imperial College of London. So while at LSC, um, just before we graduated, um, my partners and I began to take an interest in the Nigerian stock market, and essentially we were looking to invest in particular companies. Now being in England um, and having been exposed to you know the the Bloomberg Terminal and the Financial Times and just the, you know, the the availability of information on markets, we were quite surprised to find that it was actually very difficult to find useful information on markets and companies that we could trade on, right? So having seen that gap, um, we began to investigate and realize that it was a general problem, and there just wasn't that much data and information on Nigeria, right? So although there's a lot of press coverage on political activity and some business activity, there was very little information, data and analysis that that could help people make decisions about Nigeria. And that sort of inspired us to startup stairs which we see as an information company
0: awesome awesome that, that's incredible and, and I, i'd like to just say that you know that's certainly the position a lot of us have seen um you guys occupy kind of within the social media sphere at, at minimum but within nigeria's information sphere um, i don't go to punch or some of the other major networks anymore to look for uh, valuable information about nigeria i kind of just look like all right what the stairs think about it? Uh, issues to, on a daily basis um but but now addressing kind of the content you guys put together um, I've noticed that you guys have a lot of people who contribute and and first of all a lot of that contribution is always very data driven you guys are always saying numbers this then the next um so it, it's never unfounded but how did that happen because kind of pivoting from this idea of you know I want to study financial markets i want to understand how companies are valued and things like that um, to let's talk about development and infrastructure, and whether or not you know Nigeria can afford to, uh, whether or not Nigeria should build roads before you know investing in its people. How did that transition happen?
1: Yeah, so so you remember that we began from looking for financial market data to mm-hmm. realizing that there was a broader information gap in mm-hmm. Nigeria. Now, the traditional way of dealing with this gap is through the media. At the same time, we still wanted to pursue our initial ambition of plugging the deficits in financial market data. Hmm. Luckily, again, being in the UK, we were exposed to Bloomberg, who are a media and data company. Um, They are essentially an intelligence company, and they have um, a media publication and a financial data platform. Right? And we were actually heavily inspired by that synergy, and it helped us realize very early on the benefits of building a brand through a media publication that is known for being objective and data-driven um, mm-hmm. while you prepare your foray into Financial data provision. Um, a lot has changed since then in terms of what we have done and what we are looking to do, but, but definitely the initial pivot towards more media related activities was inspired by the Bloomberg model. Excellent,
0: excellent. Now, you guys, you know, if you figured out your inspiration, you figured out your, your strategy. Um, what for you guys and this, you know, I ask this question because I'd really like to go into the details of how people build remarkable things. Um, what were the next steps? Like where were the boom, 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 and this helped us get to, to, to where we are um, right now? Because, um, well, you know, the truth is a lot of people care about a lot of things, but, but doing things actually turns out to be oftentimes far harder than just, you know, coming up with the concept. So how did you guys bring it from that point, that conversation with your friends at uh, LLC slash Imperial College? to to where things are now?
1: Yeah, so initially there was a lot of talking and then we realized that that was pointless and we just started doing a lot. Um, So STAIRS has an interesting journey because it was first launched in the summer of 2015 Mm. and we ran the STAIRS publication for about six months And we looked at that as a a pilot period to test the waters and see if there was actually demand for our kind of content in Nigeria. And the reception we received uh, indicated that, yes, definitely, people had been yearning for this type of in-depth content. um, And that was very refreshing. At the same time, we we quickly realized that our, our internal structures weren't in place to consistently provide that type of content. So when we closed up shop at the end of 2015, we took the next year, building our internal capabilities and systems to ensure that when we launched at the, in January 2017, we were ready to meet that demand consistently for you know, high-level, in-depth content on Nigeria, um, which I like seeing that we have done ever since. Awesome. 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 That's excellent. Now,
0: um, that's that's kind of the process of, of building. Do you guys have a, a particular strat- strategy to, um, beyond just kind of testing the waters to see um, um, what, what the demand for the content was at the beginning, um, how do you what are the channels you use to get your product, which is your content, to your customers? Um, Is that entirely media-based? Do you guys do other things around that? Um, or did you guys have a strategy going in that, hey, this is how we work, this is our frequency, da-da-da, um, well, how did you guys figure that out?
1: Yeah, so for all the partners, this was sort of our first foray into proper business, uh, but mm-hmm. luckily we had experience in terms of projects and, Um, running organizations or societies, and it was really a case of implementing a lot of the principles that we had learned from those experiences or at school and and applying them for stairs, right? One key principle that um, really has worked for us time and time again is the use of projects as launch pads. Right? So there are they're two key projects that we've worked on in the last 18 months and mm-hmm. um, that have had transformative effects on the company. The first is a FinTech conference that we held in July 2017. Okay. Now, um, about you know, planning that conference took about three to six months um, and the activities involved in that were different from our day-to-day, again, media and content generation. But we put in that investment because because we knew that post the conference, the profile of the brand would completely change. Um, And yes, we held the conference in the middle of last year and it was well attended. A lot of speakers from some of the major venture capital firms inside and outside the country. Um, some of the leading economists in the country as well, like Mr. Bismarck, the one who spoke at the conference. Wow. Um, and again, that was very positive for the brand. The other major project that we've done that had a transformative effect is on data, right? So for the 2019 elections, we built an election data site that essentially just visualizes the results of the elections real time. Again, that's a project that took about three to six months to execute, um, and once again, was quite separate uh, or demarcated from our you know, core offering of content analysis on Nigeria, but we invested in that project because we understood the brand potential it hard, right? Um, mm-hmm. And once again, it paid off. The election site that we built has had over 6 million views wow. in the last two to three weeks. Um, and again, has completely transformed the profile of scarce. So that's, um, that's something that we've understood, right? That yes, content is important, but... Mm-hmm. Media organizations and information companies run on the power of their brand. So we have spent time investing in that brand to get to get people to recognize it as a trusted source of information.
0: Phenomenal, excellent. That's that's excellent. It seems like you guys had a really um well-thought-out approach to all these things especially basing off projects and now talking about one of those projects perhaps even really within the um media sphere of our generation i'd like to think of, of younger nigerians um it's easily one of the most visible things that has come out of the nigerian intellectual base um in the past decade or so and, and that's phenomenal but you know how how did they, you know one is it was first of its kind and that's you know I in my lifetime have never seen any means of tracking uh Nigerian election data that was digital digitized. And two, um it really seems to have come at an extremely timely point in time because you know, you're on Twitter, you're listening to re- results from this LGA and that LGA that's you know are not verified by INEC and you have, you know, people are building perceptions of, of what how the election is going. But you know, at some point everybody just stopped and focused on your site and said, All right. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: when things are going well and, and that was, you know, just to commend you and the rest of your team, that was that was really, really remarkable. Um, how the, the the question I have for you now is that, you know, those things take a lot of effort. And you, you mentioned multiple times that these are outside your core just producing content. Um you are a leader within within your group and how did you how do you get other people to just be as passionate to get in, to get involved, um, to get engaged? Cause I'm assuming that it wasn't just the four of you who um, put all this together. Um, how do you get? How do you get other people to buy into your vision?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I guess the one straightforward way is hire them and indoctrinate them. Um, <laughs> but on a more serious note, though, we've been um, fortunate to have two important sets of individuals. Um, one of them is our full-time team. So we have a full-time development team, sorry, a full-time developer team that is led by one of the partners abroad, um, and they built the site from scratch, right? So most of the credit for the election side goes to that three-man developer team, um, two of who are based in Lagos. Um, Beyond that full-time team, we also have a journalist and a research analyst. Um, and again, they've been with us for a number of months and have contributed immensely both to the site and to the other projects that we've done. Mm. Beyond the full-time team, though, as you mentioned earlier, we have a network of contributing writers that we call the Writers Network. And this is essentially, a, you know, I think 40 strong group of professionals is Around the world um, that you know, provide commentary and analysis on Nigeria through this through the this platform. Um, and again, we've gotten, we have been able to build very strong relationships with our writers network and, and have essentially been able to groom a very strong generation of social. And economic commentators on the country, and this is largely because of the strong focus we place on editorial rigor. Awesome, awesome.
0: And then, what, what does that what does that mean um, on your end? Do you guys then have uh, other people who go in and edit things, or do the partners, offensively uh, take that role where you're you're doing a lot of work on a on a very frequent basis to make sure that everything comes out? Because uh, you know there is a standard for this brand you've worked on. Um, to be held to, and you have so many people contributing. How do you maintain that quality even in the content you put you put out?
1: Yeah, so there are a couple of things, right? One is systems, right? If you don't have systems in place for this, it doesn't work, right? So we have a clear editorial stance that mm-hmm. is published on the website, and we wear proudly on our foreheads, right? This is what we're about. Um, and because of that, we... A very clear guidelines on writing that we can always and, and do always refer to when we engage with writers. Mm. Um, obviously, though, you need people to enforce that system. And I like to think that I am right in the center of that because my role in the media um, is as the editor-in-chief. So yeah. I lead um, the charge in terms of You know, editing articles, we do have a couple of other editors that assist. um, And essentially, our role is to ensure that everything that gets published on the site, everything that gets sent in an email, um, every content that is distributed on any platform that is affiliated to STARS must conform to our standards of quality and editorial rigor. Um, And that requires dedication and the commitment to what we stand for and what we believe in Um, and it's something that definitely has been tested over time but we constantly see the benefits of taking that stubborn approach to our editorial angle right and uh speaking
0: of kind of that approach on your on your website there's a statement that says in god we trust everyone else must bring data does that perhaps exemplify kind of the core of the message in everybody contributing
1: to you yeah pres- precisely so that's a sort of huge part of what we do right um data is key um for stairs right we say that we want to help build data networks in Africa and build build a culture of data collection, of data use, Um, but that must start within, right? It must start with Steers itself being known internally for being data-driven. Our company must be data-driven. Our content must be data-driven. Our projects must be data-driven. Only when that happens will we be able to then impose those or that same rigor on our clients and on society and achieve the goals we want in terms of building data networks to the country. Excellent. Excellent.
0: And, and it's just kind of along that same line, um, one of the, at least in, in my experience so far, one of the fascinating things about data is that, you know, it, it always presents a truth, right? It, it presents um, the reality of the situation and, and oftentimes um it's also not a reality that people want to come to terms with and people don't want to see necessarily um how have you managed that maybe perhaps the presentation or maybe it's perhaps a you know we're going to tell you the truth and we don't necessarily care how you feel about it it is going to be the truth have you managed that within a society that may not necessarily be always receptive to uh the the high cold facts
1: I think the starting point is accepting that it's something that you live with and thrive in. So this is very clear in our editorial stance, and that we are not here to necessarily push any agenda. What we believe in is ensuring that there's transparency in the agendas being driven and the assumptions that people are arguing from right so what we say is that where other people are lying we enlighten right so if there's an article about taxes in Nigeria we want the reader to understand where this writer is coming from so what is the underlying or basic principle that is driving this writer's article it may be that this person is a socialist and because of that has certain fundamental views about tax policy, right? Or it could be that this person is currently working in government. So because of that, having natural bias to support existing policy, right? So we are not interested in shutting down these views, but we want to ensure that the reader is aware of the entire truth of the arguments, Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we put a lot of focus on bringing out the underlying assumptions being used. Um, because of that, we've actually developed a reputation for not wading into arguments about right or wrong mm-hmm. or you know, issues and just ensuring that, that we moderate the debate properly.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Now... Now, one of the uh, one of the fascinating things about, or at least I I would expect about the position you guys must be in is that you know oftentimes a lot of perspectives are levied at you guys as a result of the articles you've written, um, whether it be by quoted tweets or response to comments or just people being you know aggravated by the the truth of uh, the situation. And, and I'd like to focus specifically on the recently passed uh, Nigerian elections. Um, you, if I remember correctly, you personally uh, wrote an contributed uh, some information on kind of trends within that election. Are there any things you'd like to share, um, not just about the trends, but really about kind of the response to those statements um, regarding how that election cycle in Nigeria passed just now, just to give a perspective into your insights when putting together this information.
1: Yeah, so I think um, what you're referring to is an article on 10 data trends that we identified from the 2019 elections. Exactly. So by virtue of the fact that we obviously had built the election sites and we had collected all the real-time data from INEC, we actually had troves of data to go through and mine um, and we're and were able to draw loads of insights um, that were not you know notable if you had not been you know looking closely at the data. Um, in terms of the reception we got from that, I would actually say, um, so I don't, honestly, I don't spend too much time looking um, or paying attention to the reception. I, mm. I literally skim and look for the constructive comments. Um, but what I would say is that it was generally positive. And it was generally positive because people appreciated the fact that someone had brought data into the discussion. Because if you're looking for an issue that polarizes Nigeria more than anything else, then you're thinking of tribe, religion, and right. politics, or right. elections, right? So, of course, after the results came out, there was the usual back and forth and arguments and yeah. you know, a national discussion about the credibility, the fairness, and the balance of the elections. So, for someone to come out at that time and say, "Okay, that's all well and good," but these are data trends; these are the things that the numbers say. We can't argue with the numbers, and neither can you. Um, it was a it was very well received. Now, that does not mean that the numbers were not discredited or that people did not use them to further their own agendas. But unfortunately, that's the nature of information and data. You cannot control what the user does with it. Um, All you can ensure is that make sure it's credible, um, it's reliable, it's true. And then whatever she wants to do with it, it's up to her excellent
0: excellent now that's certainly an excellent perspective and a really really fantastic approach to take um and now the now that the question would be you know you, you've, you've built this phenomenal platform um you've uh, really really done phenomenally on the on the media front um what, what are your next steps you would say with uh, with um with the gate with looking at african markets sorry with nigerian markets uh specifically and um looking at reporting more on our financial situation, our financial, just becoming that Bloomberg of Nigeria. I'm kind of interested in seeing what that looks like. Um, I am familiar, just mildly familiar with Stairs Intelligence, but do you mind uh, talking a little more about that?
1: Yeah, so I'll speak very quickly about Stairs Intelligence. Uh, It's essentially the data arm. So the election site that we built would fall on uh, Stairs Intelligence. Um, And it goes back to... What I said about the brand value of a media company, right? Because had we just got up from our beds um, as stairs intelligence and said, look, this is an election site that we that's built, the first question people would have asked is, who are these guys and why should we trust their platform? Mm-hmm. But because we could approach people upstairs and say, hey, we are the guys from from Stairs Business, and we've partnered with so, so, and so, and those partnerships um, come or came because we had already established relationships with other groups through Stairs Business. Uh, it opened the door for a Stairs Intelligence project to come in, uh, because essentially what that business is all about is solving Niger's data problems. And we started, we started with the elections, but... Like I said, before, data challenges exist in every sphere at every point. So the market is huge. And in fact, the key is figuring out how to focus more than anything else. Unless you find yourself jumping from elections to waste to tax right. to government budgets and so on. So that focus is necessary. Excellent. So now this
0: probably running up my set of questions, but... um you know, what what does the future look like for for STAIRS? Um, Speaking of focus, are there things you plan to uh, put your foot a little heavier on? Are there directions you plan on moving more solidly in? Uh, Are there ambitions for perhaps cross-continental expansion? Uh, What what are you guys thinking of regarding
1: uh, the future? Yeah, so I think what we've done in the last 12 months is show people that we can provide information on Nigeria, ranging from analysis to commentary to data on elections. Um, we built up that reputation. Mm-hmm. Now, what comes next is monetizing that, right? And creating a package where you're providing information to create cluster of, of Nigerians or people interested in Nigeria that is so valuable that they pay for it. Mm. And this can look like a Bloomberg model. It can look like a, a New York Times subscription, or it can look like an API from the stock exchange, right? What unifies all of these products is that the um, supplier is providing valuable information that the recipient is willing to pay for. Um, and what we're looking at is cornering our own niche in the market and saying, okay, this is the information that we want to provide to these people um, and obviously be able to build a business of that. Excellent,
0: excellent. Uh, thank you so much for that. I guess one of my final questions, or sorry, my final question is, um, and it's a question I ask all of my guests, um, you know, given the difference locations the different uh, experiences as far and, and specifically focusing on you now um you've you've built this this remarkable um platform you've built this remarkable organization uh, with your team uh, and and um you've had it you've had insight on a huge amount of data that very few people in nigeria have had access to prior to you guys coming to, to the, to the fray um you know what does you know, looking at all that, and you live in Nigeria right now um, what, what what are you positive you know what what things are you optimistic about um regarding the future um, what things what things concern you um, given kind of what you're seen both running this organization and just living in the country period uh, uh, just it's a double-sided question you know what, are you, what excites you in the future and what what are you worried about
1: mm-hmm. Um, that's a good question, and my answer to the two questions is actually the same, and I'm focus on Nigeria. So there's, a, there's an implicit assumption people make that the future is linear and forward, i.e. things will always just get better. What will differ is how quickly they get better. I fundamentally disagree, um, and I do think that there's nothing about Nigeria today that suggests that things are going to get better, mm. and that is what what worries me. But at the same time, that is what fills me with so much excitement because I look around and I see people that are willing and eager to change that that narrative and ensure that we actually do go forward at an incredible pace. Um, and stairs is just one of you know thousands of other people and groups dedicated to doing that all around the country.
0: Excellent, 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 excellent. Well, uh, Michael, thank you so much for your time. Um, This has been, one, truly informative. I don't know if you've done a lot of uh, uh, interviews of this nature before, but I must say you are a really, really good communicator. Um, And This this is certainly a pleasure, and I think my listeners will thoroughly enjoy this as well. Um, thank you so much and uh, I will be stopping the recording shortly and we can have another conversation offline off very briefly uh, but thank you so much uh, this has been I can't really with Save Africa and Michael Famoroti Michael do you want to say a couple of final words to my listeners
1: yeah uh, I just want to actually say thank you to you once again it has been a fun chat with you um, yeah. and yeah that's it absolutely thank you again